0: All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life round the table. Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogan from Day Spring Reformed Church, Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reformed Church. I'm Josh Bells from the Well, Boise. Special guest today with us, Pastor Tim Hazelbaker from Middleton First Baptist Church. You got it? Yes. Got it right. <laughs> That's where the cy- symbols crash, right?
1: <laughs> When Josh gets it right. That'd That's a, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: The once a year, you just... Oh, we should plug the conference real quick. So October 21st and 22nd, Reformation Boise. We do have pastor joel beakey back this year he was the inaugural address back in 2017 um and we have derek thomas that's coming with him he's one of the ligonier fellows if you're familiar with with his wonderful welsh accent that's
1: right man Mm -hmm. it's gonna be we've been very fortunate we've we've had somebody with a with an accent you know it's like pretty much every year yeah um Mm -hmm.
0: Well, even Dicky, yes. like you can, the Dutchness comes through on some of his words. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, it's like, no, that's, that's Midwest. It's like, that's not Dutch. Oh, it's oh, like, oh. you know these guys. <laughs> that's thank you for the question These but. guys
1: with some geography under them. You know, they come and they, they, you know, there's something special. And and I've I've heard Derek Thomas speak at Ligonier conferences in the past, and he's a he's a wonderful, gifted pastoral.
2: Um, a theologian yeah. i I think we'll love him, oh absolutely. I did just count the number of boxes of books that we have on hand already, and I believe we're around twenty eight boxes of books that um are in storage ready to be unleashed on you our listeners as you come to the conference and and,
1: and the and the buying hasn't finished yet no it <laughs> yeah, yeah well, well I, Russ is pretty good at collecting uh I've resources been for us. for a while <laughs>
0: So October 21st and 22nd, mark it on your calendar. It's a Reformation Boise Conference. It'll be on the topic of the church. All right. So in keeping with the theme of the show, um, the Gospel for Life, we've been going through Paul Tripp's book, Do You Believe?, where he essentially takes a doctrine, explains what that doctrine is, and then applies it to life. And that's how all doctrines should work. You should never study doctrine without asking the second dec- Second question, which is, okay, how do I then apply this to my life? So we are on, we're starting a brand new topic, um, which is the doctrine of God's sovereignty. So let's just begin with the doctrinal part. What does it mean that God is sovereign?
2: I'm going to just back up slightly and, and just answer the question, well, what does sovereign word mean? Because we don't use that word very often. Um, when I used to teach American government and we used to talk about sovereigns, Um, I would define that term as an absolute authority within a given region. So sovereignty is bound by a territory. Um, So the example that I would give my kids is that within the classroom, I'm sovereign. When I leave the classroom, I'm no longer sovereign because I'm in somebody else's domain, which was the principal's. But when we leave the school both myself and the principal, leave our area of sovereignty behind. So our our rule is restricted by a territory. So right now we've got a situation in our country with Russia invading the Ukraine. They violated the sovereignty of Ukraine because they've gone outside of their border and infringed upon somebody else's area of rule. Well, when we talk about God is sovereign... God is, is the absolute authority in an unrestricted territory. There is no area that he does not have absolute control.
1: Yes, he, God has the right and authority to do whatever he wants, and he is not limited or in the exercise of his dominion anywhere.
3: Mm-hmm. The text that I usually jump to with sovereignty, um, it's just a very – it's a passing comment that Paul makes in Ephesians 1. But he says, um, in him we've obtained an inheritance, this is Ephesians one eleven, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That little passing, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Yeah. There is nothing that happens outside of God's will and according to his counsel. Yeah. There's an expansion on that, that in the
0: Old Testament when Nebuchadnezzar, I, th- I think, becomes saved, and he makes his confession of faith that um, God does all that he uh, desires among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can say to him, what have you done, Um, and and none can stay his hand.
1: And and this doctrine of sovereignty and the sovereignty of God, it's not something that's simply unique to uh, the four pastors here in this room, or Reformed theology, uh, or even to Christianity. It's it's a tenet of the belief in God. It's a tenet of theism. For if, if something can take place apart from God's action or mission, then God's not in control. And if God is not utterly sovereign, then he's not God. Yeah. Yeah, there's a dualism, at the very least, that takes
0: place. Let me read real quick Um, out of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Perhaps you're not familiar with this uh, great document from the uh, 17th century. Uh, Chapter 3 on God's decree, this is what it says, kind of defining, shaping God's sovereignty. God, from all eternity, did, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass, yet so as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures. So when you talked about being sovereign or in control over a kind of a location, God is sovereign over time, over space, over every single created thing.
2: Mm -hmm. And really – if you there are some that actually say they believe in god's sovereignty but but actually don't um so i haven't met a lot of christians that would say i don't believe in god's absolute rule over all things however Mm -hmm. practically they do limit god's rule over all things they they have areas that god is not in control of Mm -hmm. um if i can just give a quick example when i was in college um I was in a history class, I don't remember we were working in a small group. we had to introduce ourselves or whatever, and we were talking. I had mentioned that my mom had died from cancer and that, um, that something to the effect that, that that was came by God, that God it was the instrument of, of, of my mom's cancer. And a non-traditional student was in my group, and she became very angry with me. Um, and says to me, God had nothing to do with your mom getting cancer. Mm -hmm. And if you asked her, does she believe in the sovereignty of God, she would have said yes. Mm -hmm. And at the same moment says, God had nothing to do with your mom having cancer. Well, there's an example of she would say that she believes in God's rule over all things, but she actually doesn't believe that God rules over all things Mm -hmm. because my mom's cancer was outside of his reign and rule. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think that's kind of the impulse of of, of many of us is that um, – I think it's a pastoral type of imp- – mm-hmm. where we don't want to put God kind of in in a place where he might have to answer for himself. Mm-hmm. Like, how how dare God, like, ordain that your mom has cancer? Mm-hmm. That's not the God that I worship. Our, our My God is, is kind, and he never harms or hurts anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, the Bible over and over and over again um, never um, – never gives us any other idea other than, I mean, that God is absolutely in control of all events on planet Earth.
1: Well, you read a portion of uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, You know, Paul Tripp will begin to expand upon that in his book. And it's just a reminder, he says that, God, the creator of all things, upholds, directs, and governs all creatures, actions, and things from the greatest to the least by his wise and holy providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and unchangeable counsel of his will, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy, in his extraordinary providence, God makes use of means, yet he's free to work without, above, and against them at his pleasure. He's, uh, he's repeating what the Westminster sa- says. You know, it's not just that he's sovereign and in control. You know, we're not dealing with fatalism here. We're, we're dealing with a personal God who's actively involved with all of his creation.
0: Yep. All right, Tim, easy question for you. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> does the sovereignty of God make God responsible for evil?
2: Why does he get all the <laughs> hey, easy questions? Yeah. <laughs> this is, why, uh, this is, seems unfair.
0: <laughs>
1: what are you going to do if I answer wrong? But we're we're going to fire you.
0: you we're going to
1: run out of time?
3: <laughs> it, it, it certainly doesn't compromise his justice, his goodness, his wisdom, right? Uh, how about I play the devil's advocate and ask you guys, you bunch of Calvinists. <laughs> so God, you know, in his plan in his sovereignty, he determined that through the fall of creation that he would redeem a people for himself and then recreate everything. How would you guys say, well, no, that's uh, then he's not responsible? Because in other circumstances, we would say, well, yeah, the parent allowed that to happen, the parent's responsible. Right. So I guess I, I would ask you, how do you flesh that out?
0: Very wise. <laughs> I like how you <laughs> twisted that back upon us.
2: So the Belgic says this, God is not – The author, nor can he be charged with the sin that occurs. For his power and goodness are so great and incomprehensible that he arranges and does his work very well and justly, even when the devils and wicked men act unjustly. Mm. We do not wish to inquire with undue curiosity into what he does that surpasses human understanding and is beyond our ability to comprehend. But in all humility and reverence, we adore the just judgments of God, which are hidden from us, being content to be Christ's disciples so as to learn only what he shows us in his word without going beyond those limits. And that feels like uh, I'm not going to answer because, well, I don't know, because it is a little bit like that.
1: Well, we don't know. You don't tell everything.
2: What I tell my, my people in my church is there are, are limits to our finite minds. Mm-hmm. And what we know from God's word is that he's po- perfectly holy and righteous and just, and there is no evil in him. And at the same time, we hold that he is sovereign and reigns and rules over all things, and all things are underneath his control. And there become a limit to our our finite understanding when we try to say, well, then how does that work? How is there evil if God is not the author? And what the Belgic, I think, is is really trying to to caution against is going beyond what we can understand and in that, in our pride, then accusing God of something that's unbecoming of God. And then in humility, we have to say, I don't understand it, but I know these things are true, and I have to live with some of that tension um, because I, I, I don't have the ability to go any further.
0: Can I give a verse maybe that would, yeah. would flesh out, yeah. I don't understand it, but I know it's true? So um, when Joseph's brothers come to him, they're afraid that Joseph's going to punish uh, them for the evil actions that they did against Joseph. Joseph simply said, as for you, you meant evil against me. Um, but God meant it for good, so God certainly ordained the events of Joseph's, Joseph's life, um, even including all the sin that happened to Joseph. But He did so sinlessly. Mm-hmm. So I would say that God ordains sin, but He does so in a sinless way, and that's where I would say I have to accept that is true. I don't, I don't know how that works out exactly, but. I mean, God can't mean it for good if he didn't mean it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Did we answer your question?
3: <laughs> <laughs> what was my question? <laughs> I think the and, verse the verse that it reminds me of is Deuteronomy 29, 29. Right? The, the secret things belong to the Lord, but that which is revealed belongs to us and our children forever. Yeah. That, One of
1: my favorite verses. Yeah.
2: And that's actually what the Belgic is ultimately getting at, that we can go so far and, and no further. And I know some people will say, well, that's just a cop-out. Sure. And I guess, <laughs> maybe, um, but there are times when I'm working with my younger kids, or not anymore, but when they were younger, that it didn't matter how much I explained it to them. They weren't going to understand. And, and God does say, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Well, you've been listening to Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.